Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you and to worship with you this morning at WPC. As you heard me say with our children, this summer we're doing the second part of our grown-up vacation Bible school series in worship, where we explore popular Bible stories from our childhoods to reinstill our wonder and love of the God they reveal. Last week we explored the story of creation, and that it's not a story about when, but rather who, and the who is God. And that it's not a story about how, but rather why, and the why of creation being love. Today we turn to the story of Ruth. We heard the beginning of the story in our first reading, but we'll jump ahead now to chapter 3 and then again to chapter 4 to try to get a good summary of the, the whole story. Friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the third chapter of Ruth, beginning with the first verse. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman, Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. She said to her, all that you tell me, I will do. Jump ahead to chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse the father of David. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Over the past couple of weeks, friends, my my Facebook news feed has been loaded up by my Methodist friends. See, this is the time of year when they have their annual conferences and receive their new pastoral appointments from the bishop, placing them in new churches or renewing their current appointment for the coming year. My Methodist clergy friends tell me that while you have some say in the matter now, it's part of the deal. You ultimately go go where the church leaders call you to go, and you serve. The same is true of our Catholic friends and a few other traditions as well. Well, personally, I'm grateful for our call system in the Presbyterian Church, where both the congregation and pastor together discern a call that is then affirmed by the greater church. Personally, I fear that the volatile combination of my Scotch and Viking heritage would both resent and then resist being sent somewhere by the higher-ups with little say in the matter. 
But I have great respect for my clergy colleagues in these traditions and in the traditions themselves because of the faithfulness and loyalty that it requires. And as we approach the birthday of our nation this week, I'm sure those of you who have served in the military can identify with the sentiment of going wherever you're called to go and serve. To me, this sentiment, this feeling, is how the story of Ruth begins. We first meet Naomi and her husband, Eli Melech, a good man from the tribe of Judah, living in a little-known town, at least at this time, called Bethlehem. Its fame had yet to happen. But a frequent crisis in the Bible occurs. There's a famine in the land. People were desperate. They needed to travel to find food and shelter, water. And so they had to travel beyond their tribes to survive as refugees in a foreign land. Elimelech and Naomi travel to another land, Moab. This is a detail that's pretty easy to overlook in the Bible. See, the people of Israel and Moab did not get along. In fact, in the, the book of Deuteronomy curses the Moabites for not offering hospitality to Israel while in the Exodus, and even names them as among those not welcome in the assembly when they reach the promised land. The relationship between Israel and the Moabites remains strained to this moment, but nonetheless, Elimelech and Naomi are able to make a life there in Moab as foreigners. They have two sons, a sign of vitality in those days, so it tells us they settled in well. But another crisis happens. Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi a widow. See, in those days, everyone knew their household by the patriarch, the elder male in the family. Widows, as you can imagine, were on the margins, without status. So Naomi was not only living in a foreign land, but she was now also a widow. Her two sons marry Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, and she's able to take up residence with them. But the story's tragedy continues for Naomi, as now both of her sons have died. So often in the story of Ruth, we overlook the Job-like tragedy Naomi faces. Her lament and grief run so deep that she changes her name. She asks that people no longer refer to her as Naomi, which means pleasant or sweet in Hebrew. But now they should call her Mara, which means bitter. Not only is she a foreign widow, she is now without her sons. She no longer has a patriarch and must make a decision. Remain in Moab as a refugee or return home to Bethlehem on her own and dismiss her two daughters-in-law. She decides to return home and encourages Ruth and Orpah to return to their mother's homes that they might find security and livelihood. But Ruth, as the story tells us, simply will not. She refuses to leave Naomi's side, saying the beautiful and memorable line, where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. These words are ones that are often quoted at wedding ceremonies for their deep sentiment of, of abiding commitment and faithfulness. 
Because with that, Ruth forever tethers herself to Naomi. She won't leave her. She won't give up on her. Instead, she goes with Naomi far from her home, far from everything she knows, to be a foreigner in a new land herself. This is where our first reading ended. The story continues in the next chapter with Ruth and Naomi arriving in Bethlehem during the barley harvest. A kinsman named Boaz allows Ruth to glean in his fields, gathering up grain that his workers left behind. Gleaning was an act of hospitality extended to foreigners or resident aliens. It's something that's actually mandated by the Torah, along with other acts of welcome and kindness. The story here at this point then turns to an almost Jane Austen-like quest of Naomi to find Ruth a husband. The difference being that the Israelites had a system for this. Because one's status and security rested in the patriarchy of their family in this time, finding a husband was of utmost importance. The Israelites practiced what's called Levirate marriage. When a man died, their brother or closest descendant, kinsman, had the ethical imperative to marry the woman and carry on the family name and property. The Hebrew word used here for kinsman is goel. It's an important one because it's also translated as redeemer. One's closest kin had the ethical duty of redeeming a family member in need. Whether it was in marriage like with Ruth, or repaying someone's debt to redeem them out of slavery or prison, or finally testifying on their behalf in court. In this instance, Goel is used in the book of Job in the famous line, I know that my Redeemer, my Goel, liveth. Our second reading, which I just read for you, begins with Naomi giving instructions to Ruth to essentially seduce Boaz into his duty as kinsman. Ruth, who is ever loyal to to Naomi, does as instructed. And what we left out of our reading today is the conversation between Boaz and Ruth at the threshing floor. Boaz informs Ruth that he is not the closest kinsman or goel. There's another whom he has been trying desperately to get to take on their ethical duty. But it turns out that this person is not willing to be Ruth's kinsman, her goel. So Boaz steps in. He marries Ruth and provides she and Naomi with security, livelihood, and also, as the book ends, with an heir. Obed becomes the father of Jesse, becomes the father of King David. Ruth will later be named in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus as coming from the tribe of Judah and in turn from the line of David. And this is where the story ends, leading right into the story of Samuel and Saul and David. So friends, what is the story of Ruth all about? Most scholars sum up the story of Ruth with a single Hebrew word, hesed. It's honestly one of my favorite words right up there with shalom. It means loving kindness, loyalty, faithfulness. At its core, Ruth is a story of human hesed, 
kindness, love, and faithfulness. It's a story of human hesed reflecting and mirroring God's own. Human hesed reflecting God's hesed. We see God's hesed. God's faithfulness throughout the story as God transforms lives and relationships. God transforms lives moving from famine to an abundant feast, leading them to Moab and then back to Bethlehem at harvest time. Interesting note, in Hebrew, Bethlehem means house of bread, further showing this connection, this movement. God's faithfulness to Naomi continues throughout her saga, transforming her life from bitterness back to pleasantness, her namesake, as she welcomes new world or new life into the world through Ruth's heir. God's hesed is seen in the plight of the Moabites through Ruth. As I said, the Torah lists the Moabites as those despised by Israel and who are not welcomed in the assembly of God. But through Ruth, the Moabites are redeemed and have a role in God's covenant with Israel as David will go on to bring Israel to a new high point in its relationship with God. And on a side note, next week in our Grown Up VBS series, we'll be exploring one of my favorite stories of David as he dances before the Lord in Jerusalem. But even more still, as the gospel writer Matthew will note, Ruth becomes part of God's plan of redemption in the birth of Christ through the line of David. And Jesus, as we know, friends, is the clearest reflection and embodiment of God's own hesed, loving kindness. The story of Ruth is filled with people extending and reflecting this hesed, this loving kindness of God to one another. We see it in Ruth's extreme faithfulness and loyal love to her mother-in-law, Naomi, by refusing to leave her side. Ruth's hesed reminds us that the faithfulness we show one another is a reflection of God's faithfulness to us. What a perfect theme for us this morning as we prepare to commission our youth to go out and serve in our community and as we commission Nate Hunter and Jesse Montgomery to go serve Christ to our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia and in Mexico. All of you, friends, are going where God is calling you. And may you reflect the hesed, the loving kindness of God in all that you do. And I'm fully confident that with God's help, you will. We also see the Hesed of God reflected in the hospitality and welcome communities extend in the story of Ruth to outsiders. We see it in the Moabites extending this hospitality to Naomi and her husband in a time of famine. And then in the hospitality, Boaz and the Judeans extend to Ruth as an outsider and a foreigner, letting her and others glean in their fields. It reminds us, friends, that how we treat outsiders, how we treat those in need, and how we treat those on the margins is, in fact, a measure of how we reflect God's hesed in our lives and how we reflect God's loving kindness as a community. Friends, we know what God's hesed, we know what God's loving kindness and faithfulness looks like. 
We've seen it throughout the story of Ruth. But we've also seen it in Christ. God's own embedded or embodied loving kindness, who so boldly said, blessed are the meek, and who said, how you treat the poor, the sick, the homeless, the outsider, is how you treat me. We know what God's hesed looks like, friends. So how do we, like Ruth and Boaz and the greater community, extend and reflect God's hesed to our neighbors? May the boldness of the story and the faithfulness and love these characters embody inspire us to reach out with hospitality and welcome to all of our neighbors in need, particularly those on the margins. And like Ruth, may we faithfully go wherever God sends us, trusting that God's Spirit will embolden and empower us to go out and serve. Blessing and glory and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be to our God now and forever. Amen.